to the Harwood Hustle powered by PGC Basketball. We believe in the value of a coach. We're here to educate, empower, and encourage you to lead like never before. How do you know your team is ready for the postseason? Whether you're the underdog or the favorite, in this episode, Sam and TJ discuss four mistakes to avoid making to ensure your team is prepared and confident going into tournament play. Let's get started. Welcome to the Hardwood Hustle. Sam and I are going to talk about the four biggest postseason mistakes coaches make or teams make going into the postseason. So, Sam, I, we're going to dive right in. I think it's a really interesting topic, you know, uh, after you know all these years of coaching uh, college basketball and you've coached at every different level. You've been in all kinds of different tournaments that mean different things to, to different people. Uh, you prepare different ways. Some of them are bigger tournaments. Some of them are smaller tournaments. But anything postseason related, uh, we're going to talk about here. And, and what are the four biggest mistakes that are made going into the postseason. So we've outlined what these four are, and I'm sure there's a lot more and, and other people could think, and we're interested to hear what you would say um, is the biggest mistake from other coaches as well. But here's the four that we outlined, I think are, are, are ones that we've seen play out many and many a times. The first one we're going to call the Goldilocks mistake. And so, you know, is the porch too hot, too cold, or is it just right? And so going into the tournament, you have a little bit of time to think about what you want to do. And we've seen this mistake made on both ends where let's just say your team is maybe not up to up to par maybe you know you're the seventh seed and you know that the one two and three are just a lot better than you and you go into the tournament and you don't do anything different or anything new you just kind of hope that you're going to beat them and you get the same results you've always gotten so there's just not enough done like you're not trying, you're not throwing enough wrinkles. You're, if you just match up head to head, like you've done, you're probably going to lose, you know, nine out of 10 times. Um, but you're just hoping that one time is this one versus like, you know what, I'm gonna throw caution to the wind. We're up against it. And I'm going to find a way to just give them a wrinkle that may give us a chance, may give us an outside chance or vice versa um, is too much. A team goes in and they've got a really good team. They've been really solid. But now all of a sudden you got 10 days to think about it. And so you put in four new plays, a new defense, a new whatever. And then all of a sudden what made you a really good team you got away from. And so it's a really easy mistake to make is, is adding too much or not doing anything to fight out of that circum that the circumstances you're in to give yourself a fighting chance against those opponents that you would not normally beat. So let's dive into the Goldilocks mistake. Sam, give me your thoughts on that. Yeah, those are two opposing views, but I think that's an important one. And it look this this is not an easy one. Like how, what do we add, and is it too much? And like you said, or too little. And so, what is the right mix? And and a lot of it depends on your team. Like if your team um, is still not executing on a few things you put in back in the early season then they're going to have a hard time, you know, absorbing anything new. Like there's something going on there, right? Like whether it's a culture or leadership and uh, the coach isn't teaching it well. And so I think about it that way, TJ, the good thing, like there's a, I'm coaching two teams right now. One of the teams is if we just play up to our potential, I was just telling our guys this morning at practice, I said, here's the great thing, guys. In our huddle right now, we have the pieces to go win the championship. That's a good feeling as a coach, right? Like, you know, you got a team. And if we just play to, if we play with great effort and play together, we can win it all. Um, and not many coaches get to say that. 
And I said, hey, nobody has to be a hero because sometimes when you get into the playoffs, guys or girls start thinking they got to do more than they need to. And we just need to be who we are. And so that was my message to them this morning at practice. And so for that team, we're just trying to continue to get better. We're not adding much wrinkles, but it's not like not like we're complacent either. You follow me? Where the other team I'm coaching, we actually have to add a couple wrinkles in order to win it. Or we have to have the wrinkles in our back pocket to throw in case we need it in the game, like make that in-game adjustment. And so we're going to be prepared for that if we need to bring it out. Yeah, and I a couple things to expand upon there as it, what what is the the cup? I think about this all the time. The cup in which your team it holds, like, is it full? Is it overflowing? Is there room to add stuff? So, for instance, I have an older veteran team right now, and we're not great at everything we do by any means. But I also at this point in the year find our practices a little bit more engaging when I add something new um, just kind of keeps them fresh. Cause some of these guys have been here three years or whatever. So it's just like just adding some little simple, you know, tweaks to inbounds underneath or, you know, maybe off of free throws. Now we're going to run a play or just little, because our cup isn't all the way full. Not that we're great at everything we do, but it also keeps things, you know, exciting and, and new and fresh. So we will do a little bit of that, you know, usually one or two things a week on the month of February leading up to tournament play. But I think it's important to know how much they can handle. A second thing I think is sometimes the best thing you can do if you're in a strong position um, is double down or, or even like a close to strong position, you know, top four seed, you know, or something like that double down on some things that will make you, you better, you know, double down on some things like that you already do. If you're like a solid man to man defensive team, is there one or two things that if we just emphasized it more that we would up our and be better. So we hold them to 43% from the field defensively. But if we got really that much better at closeouts or jump into the ball or whatever, I think we could hold people to 42 or 41 and a half or something. Those adjustments are underrated, in my opinion. Sometimes just doubling down on some things, you're close, but you just got to get over the hump. I think it's an important thing. And also just being aware of their cup. How much can they take? Maybe they need more. Maybe it'll make things more exciting for you into the the second one when you're not as good. You know, I think about Rick Majerus when he was at um, – um, where was he at? Uh, Utah. Utah. And they made, yeah. And they made that run. He ran a lot of like some box and one and triangle and two stuff. You know, I think he knew that we're good enough to be in the tournament. I'm just not sure we're good enough to make a run if, unless we do some things. And, you know, made some tweaks there. Um, you know, Davidson, when Curry was there, I remember like they really doubled down on some side out of bounds, inbounds underneath stuff to steal points late. And, you know, they went like, I can't remember what it was, like 10 minutes without a field goal that didn't come out of like side out of bounds or inbounds underneath um, because Kansas defense was really good. And so yeah, it, it can work both ways. And I think just being aware, like your two teams that you have, you know, one, it just might be a tweak here, a tweak there and you know, little things. Another team might, hey, we might need some curveballs here if we're going to have a chance to win. Yeah, really good stuff. I think, and again, the to put a bow on it for me is it is a tough decision. It's, you know, there's some gray area there because you're not sure. And that's a, you know, you can result, you know, do resulting where you, you make the decision and then you measure the decision on the result. And sometimes that's the wrong way to approach it too. 
Yeah. All right. Let's talk about the second biggest problem. Um, we're going to call this one the hunting mistake. You know, you and I have both played a lot of post seasons and man, it feels different when you're, you know, let's just say there's 10 teams. It feels different when you're the 10 seed and you're like, I got nothing to lose. I'm the nine seed, the eight seed. I got nothing to lose. We're going to throw caution in the wind. We're going to go after this thing, whatever. It also feels different when you're the one or two seed and you're like, gosh, we got a good team. We really want to, we want to go far. We want to win this tournament. We know we got a good enough team to make, make a, a run at this thing. And it's a different feeling when you're in the middle, you know, when you're four, five, six, you start looking at this thing like, all right, gosh, we don't want to get beat by eight or nine. We want to get our chance, our shot at two or three or four or two, three and one. Like everybody has a little bit of a different feeling. The hunting mistake is this. A lot of times you can go in and one team is the hunter and the other one is being hunted. And it's easy to be a higher seed, one, two and three, and go to play not to lose rather than to win. You know, you can feel that as a coach. It can be portrayed upon your players. Even some of your players can be like, oh, gosh, we've worked for this all year long. We're the two seed. We got to win this tournament. And rather than going out there and hunting, they're being hunted because they're playing really cautious. And that can be a big time problem, you know, for a team come postseason. I agree. It's really um, relevant for me right now because we I think I mentioned this on a previous show that we recorded, but uh you know, I felt like we were, were getting a little stagnant, and that's exactly what we've been talking about the last week with our team is we come out and we just kind of expect things to go well because we've won a lot. And I said, no, no, no. Like, we've been down after the first quarter. No, we're, we don't get hunted. We go hunt. And so this mindset, and you got I think as a coach, this is really important leadership, is you got your players got to feel that from you and, and that – passion and intensity and I think it flows out into them let's go compete let's go get after it you know I one one thing I've used with our team TJ is like I want that other coach to call timeout within the first four minutes of the game because we are just coming at them in wait with relentless effort and we overwhelm them and actually I've seen it play out that way the last two games where we have just come out on fire getting and it's all predicated on our our pace of play on offense, our defensive intensity. And you're right. A lot of a lot of players can feel the pressure of the postseason and forget at the end of the day, we just gotta go play. Cause when you go play really hard and hunt, you don't have time to think about being nervous. You don't have time to think about, oh, what if I lost or we lose or I miss this shot? Because you're so focused on effort, I think it actually reduces the anxiety and the stress if it's not easy, but if as a coach, you can get your players to adopt that mindset. Yeah. And I, I think one of the things you can do like as a coach, like tactically is have some things that produce the hunting mindset, you know, cause it's, it's easy to just kind of preach it. Like, let's go out there. Let's be the aggressive. Let's go hunt. Let's go. Right. You don't want to get totally out of what you do, but like, I don't know. Do, do you go with an early trap when they cross half court? Do you come out and run your, you know, pressure off a free throw? What do you, or like, whatever it is that you do, sometimes having something in your back pocket that says go hunt versus be passive, especially those teams that are like just really solid. And that's, that's us a lot. Like we're just a really solid team. Um, we don't have a whole bunch of gimmicks or schemes or things that we do that are out of the norm. 
But sometimes I like to have some things in the back pocket to say, go hunt. You know, we're going to go double the post on the touch. We're going to go trap the first pass. We're going to go whatever it is just to say we are going to be aggressive. So I think having some things tactically can help you to overcome that hunting problem, too, to make sure that you're not uh, being being hunted. And even if it comes out in the game, you start your opposite your team, Sam, that like say those first four minutes, the opposing team's calling a timeout. What if you're the coach calling a timeout? Do you have anything to switch that flow? Do you have a defense that you change to? Do you have something to kind of fight back? I think is a really interesting thing to think about as well. So you don't, when you're shell shocked, is it just like, come on guys, wake up. Or is there something you can actually go to? Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a strategy shift. It's, it could be a substitution where you got to get a different mix in there. Maybe a, yeah, I think those are the two big things, right? Like there's, there's probably three things, you know, we talked about this some in our in-game coaching track we did with our PGC coaches is like, um, I think it's relevant, like in a timeout, like the stir strategy, do you call it for a system and strategy adjustment? Do you call it to change the tempo? Do you call it like you, you got to change the intensity or rest? My point is the first three, sometimes your, your players need you to shake the trees a little bit. You got to wake them up. Sometimes, sometimes that's not it, right? You just, you think you yelling or getting in, you know, fired up is not going to produce the result you're looking for either. You just got to know your team. Yeah. That leads well into the third one here, which is the boxing mistake. And really the boxing mistake is like not being prepared for adjustments. You know, the old saying is like, everybody's ready until somebody gets hit. And it's like, oh, you know, like everyone's got a great, this great plan. And then all of a sudden, you know, I think that's, I think back to like, you know, in our day, Mike Tyson, right? Everyone had this boxing strategy and then all of a sudden he rushed you and it's like, what you worked on for the last six months goes out the door because that dude just came at you hard, right? And so like in basketball, you know, similar is when you come out and you have this plan and all of a sudden, you know, you get hit and it doesn't work. You know, you think you've got uh, this press and you're going to be able to take them out of it and they got three different layups and you realize, man, they're really good at handling the press. Or you come into your man-to-man, you think it's really solid and they've got some stuff that's throwing you off balance or they're they're coming out and they're trapping you and you're a little bit uncertain. Not being prepared to make adjustments, I think, is is, is something that can cost you in the postseason because you could be going back to the first one, the Goldilocks, you could have this plan against this team you've beat twice and you're playing them for the third time and they realize, gosh, we don't really match up. Now they've got this thing they're doing totally different. Now they're playing you 32 minutes of zone when they played you 32 minutes of man both games before. What are you going to do? Well, that is interesting because that actually flips it back a little bit to the number one, meaning what happens when you get hit with something you didn't see on film? Because <laughs> that coach made an adjust. Hey, they came out and boxed and won you. They play. They they played man all year long, and now they're sitting in a one three one zone. Whatever it is. So sometimes you cannot prepare for what the other opponent's going to do. The only preparation in that moment is you. You hopefully have played a collection of games and seen about everything, and so you can you can resort back to what's happened before. And that, I think that's good coaching is, you know, you know how to attack different defenses. You know what you want to do on offense. Um, so you got to, you got to prepare for what your eyes have seen. And also I think bank on what's happened all season long for any unforeseen things. 
Yeah. And I think going into it, I mean, knowing some examples for coaches might be this, you know, Hey, they run man all year long, 90% of the time or whatever. Hey, but we, we know they might change up and go zone. Let's just review our, our zone package. You know, what we've got, what we're trying to accomplish. You know, if they do, if they were to switch to this, we're ready. We're prepared. We face zone zone many times. Hey, we haven't seen them press a lot, but you know, let's take five minutes, review our press break, you know, go back over what we're going to do against them if they do press. Don't think they will, but if they do, hey, it doesn't matter. We're ready for it. I think instilling some confidence that we're ready to go and prepare for all these things. A lot of times I think in high school basketball, you hear about maybe a, a, a box in one or a diamond in, or triangle in two or, or whatever it might be. I think letting people know ahead of time, like, hey, if we see any junk defense, we're going to run our man or we're going to run our zone or we're going to whatever, you know, or like, um, it, you know, and I think having some things ready, some some tweaks like, hey, we're running our man, um, but we really want the post player to hunt. And, you know, whoever's guarding Sam with a lot of pin screens or down screens or whatever, because they're going to be boxing them. Or if you run your zone, whatever it is that you do, just being prepared to be able to look around the corner to make um, those adjustments, whether it's your adjustment. Like, hey, what if we do start slow? What are we going to do? Right. What if we get into foul trouble? How are we going to adjust? As many of those questions you can answer beforehand, I think the better prepared you are for a game. Yeah. And I would, I mean, do you think, I feel like most coaches aren't – I shouldn't say that. Let me back up. I think a lot of times coaches aren't that forward thinking. They're not peeking around the corner sometimes. You might get so focused on, like, what's, you know, five inches in front of your face and forget to, you know, yeah, you got to sit down and think about different scenarios that can play out. Yeah, well, you know, what if what if our best player picks up three fouls in a postseason game? Am I gonna Am I going to play him? Like I'm, I'm not, I'm not down with the whole like get two thousand sit. No, we got to play, man. Like we get three in the first half, that might be a different. Comp- but you got to think about those type of things um, for when you get hit in the face. Yeah, and I do think you know if you have a second to breathe before tournament time, just to write down some things like what. Gosh, what are some scenarios? You know that, and I, and I think really it's just having all the things in your tool belt. Knowing that, hey, we're not playing very well, what would we go to to change that? Hey, we get in a little bit of foul trouble. Is there anything that we would do a little bit different? I, I, oh, they decide to play something we haven't seen before. Do I know what I would do and what I would put them in? You might not even have to use it, but just being prepared. All right, last one, Sam. The head and heart mistake. And I really think this is like a culture thing, like going into a tournament. Like, is the vibe right? I think this is crazy underrated you know your team's got all these chemistry issues and things going on and problems and you're like hope we hope they show up different for the tournament right like like i want a team that's really connected and really hungry coming into the tournament and when i think about that i think about a couple of different things like um i want my team to still want to be at practice and want to be on the court come late february early march when our tournament is I want them excited to be at practice and that can be watching how much load you put on them from a physical standpoint that can be maybe backing off, like how much you've yelled or been demanding of them, like to kind of get the vibe right. Um, But I, I think, you know, and also going into like with clarity on what the job is going in with confidence in their head. So if you take a team that is connected, hungry, confident, excited to be there, 
Like I don't even throw almost everything else out the door. I would take that over anything else. But a lot of times we go into the tournament limping, beat up, been a long season. Gosh, I don't want another two-hour practice today. And I mean, like I really think that the how they feel in the head and how they feel in the heart is crazy important come tournament time. And I don't think coaches spend enough time trying to get that right. All right. Well, let, let's let's talk about. Let me let me turn some questions on you on that. Then what? How are you gauging your team's heart and head? You know, a couple of things. Um, I'm asking them on the regular, like, hey, how's your body feeling? We going too hard? We, you know, we need, to t- we need to amp it up a little bit. Now, not everybody can give you the right answer on that. So you try and find one or two people you can really trust on your team and be like, nah, we're good or no, nah, we can go harder. So I'm, I'm, trying, to, I'm trying to ask questions a lot. Um, two, I, you know, like we're at a point where I think it's December, January, we get into this grind. Like one of the things that I've had to adjust the last couple of weeks is being more intentional about getting our celebrations before and after practice and the busyness of the season. Like you can get going like, man, we haven't celebrated each other enough. Like even though we were winning, you could just sense that like, oh gosh, so adding some stuff, taking more time uh, to do that. We spend more time team stretching where we can talk and just take care of our bodies a little bit more. Um, I think is one of them um, sitting down and like we even do confidence exercises with our team a little bit, like visualization things coming down the stretch, um, you know, because the body is taken so much that I think it's a great time in the last you know couple of weeks of the season to just really refresh the mind. And, and so we do a lot of little things like that down the stretch, Sam. Yeah. And I think, so on that point, some I know, I, and I've been there times where it's like, okay, you're going down the stretch. You got an hour and a half practice, and you're like, you got to tighten up maybe some special teams. You got to tighten up some of your um, ball screen coverage. I'm, you know, making some stuff up. Well, in reality, your team doesn't need that 15 minute defensive segment. What they need more than that is for you to end practice early and, you know, maybe do celebrations or maybe, you know, have a surprise in practice, order pizza and you go in the locker room or in the classroom and just eat and, you know, watch a game together, you know, whatever that is. Um, And it's there's also a reality, too, like I don't when you were talking earlier about the heart and the head. I agree. I also would say, like. You gotta, you gotta, have, you gotta be ready. Like you gotta have put in the work to have the habits that are going to win games. Because we could, we could sit in a circle and kumbaya, you know, every practice, but we may not have the habits, and we, we might feel good, but then go get hit by thirty and lose, and season's over. So there's, uh, there's some balance there. Yeah, in everything, there's balance. In the video, are you showing enough highlight clips of things they're doing well? You know, is that a you know is that a one to one ratio, or is it like, hey, here's two highlights, ten things you need to work on as you get towards the end of the season? I love for them to see highlights. I love for them to see things that are going well that I'm really proud of them for doing. Um, I want that ingrained in their mind. Like, look, we can do this. We're doing this really well at a high level. So we're going, you know, high on the number of clips. And then really trying to target the two or three things that we need to enhance to help lower field goal percentage defensively or, or, or raise it on the offensive end, getting really specific um, in those things. I think with, uh, you know, scouting reports, I think is another one is 
just being really like specific, um, not overloading them. Cause a lot of times you can go into a tournament and be like, okay, we're guarding number zero. Here's the seven things he does really well. And here's the four things we need to do to take it away. And here's now multiply that times five players. You just gave them 55 things they need to do to be able to guard those players. Like that's not it. Like what, what's going to keep their mind clear. Let, let me, let me, sorry, let me interject. What, let me ask you this. It's kind of a curiosity. This is triggered, but let's say you have your team. Do you ever TJ worry about, all right, we're going into postseason, and I maybe alluded to this earlier, but do you feel like what if some guys or a guy on my team feels like they have to be more than they are, whether that's hero ball or they just really feel that way and they feel like that's what's best for the team, do you do you talk about that before or do you just kind of let things play out and, and and address it like in the middle of a game if it were to happen like or both maybe I don't know. Yeah, I talk about it a lot actually. And I think there's two parts to that Sam actually, which is like individuals who that might play out with, right? And then also like for the team. And so when I think about that particular thing, there's three players on my team I'm concerned about. They're all good guys. They're all like want the team to win. They all and most of the time they're doing too much, not because they want to be the star, but they want to help the team win so bad that they're doing, they're trying to do too much. Right. And that is very common thing to happen in big game situations. One of the things we talked to the team about two things is, you know, a lot of times in big games, we put on the board, the old Dick DiVenzio complete, complete passes until you get a third grade shot. You know, like it's not home runs, it's singles. We talk about that a lot, guys, let's just hit a bunch of singles today. You know, like just just complete passes, set good screens, whatever. Like so, getting them to believe that that's the important thing of of also and also where to generate your energy. Hey, look, I know everybody's amped up. Go rebound. Go get ten rebounds. You know what I mean? Go take two charges. Don't give me that energy on the offensive end. We need you calm and poised. And so we talk about that as well. You know, like not being over aggressive. We don't, you know, and so I, I do think sometimes that's individual conversation. Sometimes that's a team conversation. Just being aware of like, hey, I believe in you. We're good enough. Nothing special here. Like, let's just do what we've done all year long. And then some individuals like, hey, just settle. That could be post game. I mean, pregame or it could be even in the game, you know, just a reminder to settle a little bit. And I think that's why it's important that coaches treat the cliche, but really do like you treat every game all season, like a big game, like a championship game, because players will sense if the coach is over tense, over stressed, they're like, man, coach never acts like this. Cause I see, you know, you'll see coaches like deep postseason, and now they're like, coaching guys harder in practice and now attention to detail matters now are oh those standards we said at week one we we didn't do anything all year but now we're gonna come back to them and it's like it's a it's a mixed message to your players and it could cause anxiety and added stress to them reality is i think most great coaches are preparing they're ramping up no doubt but they are they're they're coaching to a standard every day to build these championship habits yeah and and most most champions are consistent you know they're like you said consistent in all of those things and in your practice habits and your game preparation your demeanor i think any of those things most good coaches and most good teams are consistent so 
Hey, Sam, enjoy the conversation. We talked about the four biggest postseason mistakes, you know, the Goldilocks mistake, too much, too little, the honey mistake, you know, making sure that you're the hunter and not being hunted, the boxing mistake, you know, being prepared for adjustments that come up in the game. It's, you know, it's it's all good till somebody gets hit. And like, are you ready? Are you ready when those things don't go your way? What are you going to do? And then the heart and head game, you know, like the importance of getting mentally um, ready for the game, both you as a coach and your team. And is the heart right? Is the, is the connectivity of the team right? All those things are way underrated. So, hey, love to hear what your thoughts are about that. What are some postseason mistakes coaches make on the regular um, or, or some things that really help the, your team down the stretch in the postseason? Give send us your thoughts at Hardwood underscore Hustle. Look forward to hearing from you. Hey, he's Sam. I am TJ. We are the Hardwood Hustle. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of The Hardwood Hustle, where we believe in the value of a coach. We also want to make sure you know about our coaching resources and freebies available to you at pgchustle.com. We have a workshop, a Reading React masterclass, and effective practice planning tips to help you enhance your coaching. Get started at pgchustle.com. From The Hardwood Hustle team, thanks again. We can't wait to be with you again next week.